Welcome to Building Safe Workplaces, a podcast where experts dedicated to workplace health and safety review relevant industry topics. This podcast is brought to you by the Health and Safety Council. Hello, and welcome to the HASC podcast, Building Safe Workplaces. My name is Dick Hanna, Vice President of Learning and Innovation here at HASC, and today our guest is Peter Wright, Association Manager for WJTA. Thanks for coming on, Peter. Before we get started, I think the audience should know a little bit more about you. Tell us how you came to be a part of WJTA. Yeah, thanks, Dick. It's uh, great to talk to you today. Um, so I started with the WJTA about 10 years ago, and um, it was essentially my first full-time job out of college. Um, when I graduated, I was doing some freelance proofreading and copy editing. And so from there, I got involved in this group just doing some freelance work for them. But once I started working with them, um, my boss at the time, Ken Carroll, had been looking to retire. And he'd, he'd been managing the WJTA since the early 90s. And the group had grown from a really small and academically focused organization into um, really a trade association for industrial cleaning and high-pressure water jetting. And so how long have you been the association manager? Um, about 2014 was when Ken retired and I took over. And there's still a transition. You know, I was still very much learning the ropes at that time. Um, so I first became aware of WJTA. I was working for another organization, and I had to come in and take the foundational training. And we were at a point in that organization where we were self-developing our training and self-delivering. And I took the WJTA foundational training, and I immediately saw what y'all were trying to do. Y'all were trying to create a baseline understanding for the entire industry. Uh, which was a threat to us to a certain degree because I thought we were doing a great job. But I could see how much that would mean to the industry and to the skill uh, of, of hydroblasting. And so I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. You just heard my perspective as a learner. Tell us about your perspective as the association manager. What were you trying to do with the foundational training? What have you done with foundational training? Well, I think... You know, I think you really hit the nail on the head, which is that we need to standardize the training across this industry. Um, you know, we see practices and terminology that may vary between regions or between contractors who are working in different end user industries of pulp and paper versus ethanol versus energy, whatever. Um, so we, you know, we felt like there needed to be a baseline of standardization, even though so many of the contractors already have their own great programs we need to have a common language and have a common set of practices. Well, and I, that, I hope I said that correctly. I, I may have seen it initially as like, whoa, they're doing something that's you know, better than what we did. Uh, but also I could see where building off of the framework you were creating would have long-term benefits, not just for my organization, but for the entire industry. And so I, it quickly went from threat to how can I use this for my, to my own benefit? And I hope that other contractors are able to see that as well. Are you seeing that play out? Yeah, we're um, starting to see it build some momentum, which is really exciting to see. Well, and so I did some research before you came on. I did some recon about you, and I looked at the total number of foundational trainings that had been um, delivered year on year. And I got to tell you, this last year, significant increase. And at this point, I don't know if I, I, I don't believe it's going to tail off. What do you see as the future, both in the midterm and the long term, for foundational training for hydroblasting? You know, I think it's going to continue to grow. When we first launched it, um, 
it really started picking up steam in like 2019, 2020, which, you know, was the same time everything was shutting down for COVID. So even though people were able to do the training remotely and, you know, the council was amazing at facilitating that, um, I think now as things open up and training increases, we're seeing the foundational training along with the um, in-person field verification is is really picking up momentum. And I think that's going to continue as more contractors adopt this and incorporate this into their own training programs. So you've hit on something I think that would be very worthwhile for our audience to understand a more a little more about. Uh, I've been saying the words foundational training, and that's the e-learning side of things, the theory, the, the almost the PowerPoint types delivery system where you go through, all right, this is a pump, this is a, a lance. What, what You said field verification, and I know what field verification is, but for the benefit of our audience, tell us how does foundational training and field verification play together? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, we view it as a two-part certification, and so it starts with the computer-based e-learning, which gives them the common language and the foundations of understanding this discipline. And then after that, they're taken through a hands-on and classroom training on the various um, cleaning disciplines, surface, tube, and pipe. And so that instructor-led version really reinforces everything they've learned because they, they aren't really going to start to understand it until you work with the stuff hands-on. Exactly. Well, that's great. And I've taken them both, and I, I support them both. And I, I, like I said, I see the benefits long-term. When we think about the long-term, are you looking at any other um, hydroblasting training that you'll build on top of the foundational training and the field verification you have now? It's something we've discussed kind of in the abstract. Um, you know, right now our focus is really on the vacuum side. So launching a program for air movers, liquid vacs, as well as um, sewer cleaning and excavation. And so you're going to do the exact same model for liquid vac and air mover? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the hands-on part may look a little different just because, you know, you're going to potentially have to have a couple of different types of trucks so that just the logistics of the hands-on looks a little different. But that two-part model, I think, is really successful and really good for, for this industry. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you and our generous sponsors. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. All right, so I'm going to set you up with another question that I already know the answer to, but I want to hear it from you. You're right that there's a significant difference between different pumps and a significant difference between different trucks and, and equipment. How do you deal with that? How do you, I know that we don't have all those types here at the council. So what, how do you leverage the experience and the expertise of the industry to your own means and satisfy the requirements that you're setting forth with the WJTA? Yeah, well, I think we, we recognize that our training isn't going to be able to be really operational based. We know that the manufacturers and the contractors are going to train on their own equipment, on the nuts and bolts of it. So really, we focus on the best practices and the safety aspects of it. And we see a lot of commonality, even, you know, we may have to teach different variations in equipment, um, but really the practices and the principles there are very similar. And so you don't have a cadre of trainers. How are you training all these people? We've got a, a series of master trainers who are approved to deliver train the trainer courses. And so they go off and they train verified trainers who 
and you know we'll keep tabs on them we um audit them and ask get their feedback but so the master trainers who we've approved and who we work with closely are approving the trainers who are delivering the training then and so if there was a smaller contractor out there or even a medium-sized contractor and they want to get more involved they see that it's taken off they can have their training uh, expert come and be verified by you and then they can go back and take this to their company is that correct that's right yeah, and I think that's the best option for most of the contractors. We're seeing some other ones, some of the smaller companies or um, some of the contractors who may just do hydroblasting as a small service line, as a small part of their overall business, who are going to the um, OEMs or some of the suppliers to get the WJTA training. Okay, so they can go that route as well. Yeah, so okay. we, we want to have either of those options open because some of them don't really want to spend the resources to support this in-house. Yeah, they're already doing double work. Why give them triple? That's right. I can yeah. see where that would be a problem. Uh, one of the things, too, that I really like about WJTA is sometimes we get very focused in our own region, right? And I know, having worked in this region, some of the automation that's come about to support hydroblasting safety and to make hydroblasting safer for the worker in the field. And I remember foundational training, the first version I took, didn't have very much automation. And so we almost thought, oh, well, I see where you're trying to get the basics right, but we're already further advanced than that. And I think the counter argument to that is, yeah, we may be because of this region and the focus that this region has on hydroblasting, but there are regions out there in the nation that don't have that focus and they're still doing things that we may have done five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Is that what you see as well? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we, we need to serve the whole industry. You know, we, um, so we've been very focused on creating a program that's applicable and very valuable to the more progressive contractors who are doing a significant amount of automation. But it needs to be a resource for the smaller contractors as well who might be out in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. Well, and I know also we, we also updated the foundational training since I first took it to include more automation and, and more videos and animation to make it more engaging. So I think that you're also keeping up as best you can with those changes. Otherwise, I don't think, I mean, it would, it would almost be a uh, Sisyphean task that you'd never get to the end. Uh, but I, so far, what I've seen, I've been very impressed with. And so, and the numbers prove that out. And so you mentioned a second ago, um, liquid vacuum truck training. And you said you're gonna follow that exact same model. And uh, you're gonna have a e-learning. That's, how long do you, how long is it, do you know? Um, we're targeting about three hours. Three hours. And then you're going to have a field verification, and that's going to be done both uh, through, through companies that are verified through the master trainer process or through other training companies, potentially. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that will go over liquid vacuum truck operations, air mover, and what else? We're going to cover um, sewer cleaning combo units and hydro or air excavators as well. Um, I'm not sure if we'll include that in the hands-on, um, but we're definitely covering that in the theory portion. And so I know that when someone comes in to take 19 HBFT, which is the hydroblasting foundational training, they get a little orange book that they take back with them, a field manual, basically, a procedures manual. Mm -hmm. And did you reference the blue book earlier? What's the blue book? So that's our um, companion for vacuum trucks. Um, we. I want to say 2009 was when we released that. Um, so the Orange Book is our book for hydroblasting, and that's been around since the early 80s. And then we added the vacuum truck portion. That's been through a few revisions since then.
This episode is brought to you by AFPM Safety, Apache Industrial Holdings, Austin Industrial, Vic Alliance, and Brock Group. For a full list of sponsors, visit www.hasc.com sponsorship. Terrific. So I know on my workload, whenever I come to an end of a project, my boss is always like, all right, here's three more. So what book is coming out next? You have an orange book and a blue book. What's next for WJTA? Um, that's kind of kind of down the road. I'm not sure which specific disciplines we look at. You know, we've talked in the abstract about chemical cleaning, potentially, um, potentially cold cutting. But, you know, once you get those are kind of smaller and more specialized markets. So we have to see where the demand is. If there's we feel like that would be valuable to contractors. And so you're you're both trying to solidify your position as well as look down the road. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I mean, we want to serve the broader industrial cleaning um, disciplines. You know, wherever wherever there's a need for standardized training. But right now, the focus is on vacuum primarily, getting that program launched. And so you utilize subject matter experts. Are you doing all this work yourself? <laughs> subject matter experts thankfully yeah yeah i've learned um quite a bit just um going through these projects but so my role is primarily as a facilitator and um i'm just working with their committees and their experts to distill these ideas into training programs and into um checklists and a standardized delivery outstanding and so i remember we launched to a certain i mean it was a kind of a relaunch of the HBFT in New Orleans at your conference. And since then, we've had several bouts with COVID. And I, did, I, I believe you've had to cancel those conferences. We may have done one online. Well, didn't we do a virtual one or was that the ICC? Um, I think that was the, the ICC. ICC. Yeah. yeah, we did some e-learning, some virtual learning. And so what's going on with conferences for WJTA? We're definitely on for 2022. Outstanding. Um, <laughs> We'll be back in New Orleans in November, um, and I think there's a lot of excitement for it. You know, everybody's pretty much ready to get back to face-to-face meetings. We've found out that we can do a lot by Zoom, but there's a lot that we lose in those in-person interactions. Yeah, I agree. I've seen a lot of committees start coming back together, and people are eager to see faces again that aren't on the screen. Um, So what I like to to finish with is – this is your opportunity to speak to a contracting community through a podcast. What is the one thing that, since you have this access, that you would like to tell that contracting committee or contracting community about with WJTA? What's, what's something that you really want them to know about WJTA? That's a good question. I think, I think the number one thing would just be the, um, the number of different services that the organization provides to the industry. You know, we're a not-for-profit association, and we depend on our volunteer board members and our volunteer committee members to move these projects forward. But what we do is we have training, we have best practices, we have tons of news and resources and technology resources for our members. So, you know, a lot of people identify with WJTA for the best practices or for the training program or for the trade show and maybe don't see the full scope of the organization. And I think our members really like to be involved in all these different aspects. So Peter, where can people go to get more information about WJTA? Um, the best resources would probably be our website at WJTA.org. Um, people are also welcome to reach out to me directly. It's 
Uh, my last name and first initial, W-R-I-G-H-T-P at WJTA.org. And lastly, you can connect with the association on social media. We're active on LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Facebook, and you can get a feel for the different programs we have, some of our activities. Well, outstanding, Peter. I'm so glad you were able to come in today. Uh, I've appreciated everything WJTA has been doing. I love watching and seeing how y'all are growing. And I just think that what you have to say is very valuable. And I think that the audience would really take a lot from that. So again, I appreciate you coming in. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity and appreciate the partnership with you and the council. Thanks for listening to Building Safe Workplaces. Be sure to tune in next time for another exciting episode. Till then, stay safe and stay healthy.